From the Bob Marley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to the Dis Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Email Edition for January 15th, 2009 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined this week by my good friends Kathy Whirling, Teresa Eccles, Walter Eccles, Kevin Close, and John Magi. Corey and Julie Martin are on maternity leave and will be back with us eventually. We don't know exactly when, but they will be back eventually. And uh, just an update, Baby Ferris is doing well. Yeah, he's home now, right? He's home. Yep. yep. He's, he's in school. <laughs> and he'll um, he'll be pulling reservations starting next week. Awesome. <laughs> um, we are going to play your emails and or read your emails and play your voicemails as we always do this week. Just want to go through the usual spiel. If you'd like to send us an email, the email address is podcast at wdwinfo.com. Or you can call us toll-free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico, 1-877-310-9662. Or in the United Kingdom, call us toll-free, 0808-120-2316. In Australia, toll-free, 1-800-774-531. And if we play your voicemail or read your email on the show, you will get your choice of a Diz Unplugged t-shirt or pin and lanyard. And at the end of every month... We give you we give uh, one lucky listener whose email or voicemail was on the show a shot at the prize matron. As I mentioned in our last show, the prize matron has been updated with all new prizes. There's a seven day, six night stay at Disney World with dining resort or Magic Your Way package that includes dining for four, and there's a six day, five night resort Magic package at Disneyland. Backstage magic tours, Cirque du Soleil tickets, all sorts of good stuff are waiting to be won in our prize matron. So go ahead and send in those voicemails, send in those emails, and uh, good luck. And with that, we're going to get started with our first voicemail this week. comes to us from Mike in Aventura, Florida, who has a recommendation for the team for a uh, possible uh, excursion we could do on the podcast cruise in Nassau. Here's Mike. Hi, podcast team. This is Michael from Aventura, Florida, Mike Land 6 on the boards. In the last email show, Pete mentioned that he would be staying on the ship in Nassau during the podcast cruise in May. I won't be joining you all for this cruise, but I wanted to recommend an option for you while in Nassau. As a veteran of several short cruises to the Bahamas, I also usually opt to stay on board the ship rather than see the same old tired shops and be confronted by the same people peddling their tours at the port entrance. On my most recent cruise with my whole family, though, we decided to take the Segway tour with a few other members of my family group. I had previously booked the Epcot Segway tour but was unable to go. I thought this would be a good chance to try out a Segway. If you've done the Epcot tour, you will probably love this tour as well. The two-hour Nassau tour is $75 per person as opposed to $95 per person at Epcot or $85 per person for the Segway tour at Fort Wilderness. The minimum age to do this tour is 14, 
whereas the Disney tours require you to be 16. There is a weight limit of 250 pounds. We were picked up right outside the Nassau Port area and taken as a group by minivan about 15 minutes away to a place called Earth Village. Here we were given helmets, knee pads, and elbow pads to wear. I thought these would be annoying to wear, but they weren't. The guides then gave us a brief demonstration of how to ride the segways, and one by one, we were given our own individual segway to ride. These were similar segways as found at Walt Disney World, but had wider tires, as most of the tour here is not on paved roads. We started out by slowly riding around this small area, learning how the machine works. It really is very easy, and becomes like a part of you before you know it. Just lean forward to go forward, straight up to go slower or stop, and lean back to go in reverse. To turn, simply lean to the side you want to turn. I felt very safe on it and had no issues whatsoever. Other than standing on it pretty much the whole tour, that was about it. After everyone was on their Segway and a brief restroom stop, we were told to follow the guide and each other in line through the well-marked trail. The trail took us through a wooded area near some antiquated aqueducts used to bring water to the island. After another brief stop, our segways were allowed to go up to 12 and a half miles per hour as opposed to 6 miles per hour when we were in training. The next part of the tour had enough small hills, bumps, and curves to keep the ride exciting as you tried to keep with the rest, up with the rest of the group. We then came up to a clearing where they had an activity zone set up with more small hills and curves to ride on. This part was lots of fun too. Here we also stopped to have our photos taken and a brief rest while our segways recharged for a bit. The return ride was even more bumpy and with twists and turns, but still very easy to maneuver. We were sad to get back to the entrance of our village and had to return the segways. We were even discussing purchasing one of our own for back home. After reluctantly returning our segways and the safety equipment, we were driven back to the port by the same taxi van. This was very convenient and no hassles whatsoever. If you do this tour, I recommend bringing a hat, sunglasses, sunblock, and some insect repellent. Also, don't forget your camera or video recorder. I took lots of great photos and video. Of course, they also tried to sell us a photo of our group, which came out nicely, so we did. All in all, it was an awesome tour, and I would highly recommend it to everyone. Thanks, and have a great time on the cruise, no matter what you decide to do. Well, thank you very much for that, Mike. I appreciate the uh, the suggestion, and I'm kind of like, I don't know, I'm 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 back and ever since I listened to the voice that the voicemail, I've kind of been back and forth, and you know, maybe it's a good idea. Maybe we should get a group together and go do that. But I don't know. I don't know. I just I hate getting off the ship in Nassau. I know where you're going to be. <laughs> you I'm know. going to see Anna Nicole Smith's house. <laughs> I like how he said it, it becomes part of you. Yeah, if I fall on a Segway, it's going to become part of me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Part of doctors gonna have to remove. Yeah, I, I'm. That's 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 the other thing I worry about is I'm not exactly uh, the most coordinated human being on earth. I've actually ridden a Segway. Oh, yeah. We did it at Castaway Key one time. Really? And after a couple of seconds, it really is. I mean, if you can lean forward and lean back, it's pretty much all there is to it. 
There's not a lot to it. Or maybe I can't. Maybe I'm challenged like that. Then you probably shouldn't go. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. Or you should go for our entertainment. (laughs) Yeah, you just had, I think it's like, I know when I did it out in Disneyland, it's like sort of like gentle. Like you had to, like not, I don't know, like very calmly, like lean left or right or otherwise you were right subtle small movements yeah i'm not big on subtle <laughs> it's not like you're in a motocross where you have to like lay off the bike and lay on the ground or anything i mean it's really kind of it, can i uh, can i run other people off the path that would be my goal um it feels like you're on a gyroscope remember having a gyroscope when you were a kid no it feels like that i had a sheltered childhood we weren't allowed toys <laughs> in the compound where you dressed like we all had the to other children, <laughs> we had to sit. We had to sit quietly and read the Bible. <laughs> the Bible was our toy. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I think it could be fun. I'm yeah. going to do the three card. Well, you heard. Tour. You heard nature. <laughs> he heard nature trail, and he just kind of like lit up. Well, no, I always wanted to try a Segway anyway. I've never. Walter, there are woods near our house. Come on out. I'll charge you seventy five bucks and let you walk through them. <laughs> are you going to wear your Catwoman glasses? You have Catwoman I, glasses. Why look, wear look, at look at these stupid hideous things. Are there jewels on this side? <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're not the gla- I'm convinced they're not the glasses he ordered that day. I'm pretty sure I didn't order cat glasses, yeah, so they're not the ones I ordered. Are they from the Zsa Zsa Gabor collection? <laughs> <laughs> I hate to wear them. That's why I don't wear them. Where's your old glasses? In the car. Put it back on. <laughs> but you see, they're, they're so. But, but you, see, you see, you wouldn't have noticed it I if I had noticed it. No. If I had said it, because they're, they're so cl- they're, they're clear. Uh, but look, yeah, if they were like blue or yeah, they're you know. girly. <laughs> Oh, the little girly Might glasses. as well be wearing my glasses. <laughs> but um, you look like that girl that was screaming at the Ed Sullivan show for the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> you need a sweater, twin set sweater thing, okay, never poodle mind. skirt. I'll make it through the best I can without glasses. I oh, I no, might. put your glasses back on. Put them back on. I think I have a couple more. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right, Mike. Thank you very much for uh, for calling in. We appreciate it. Who else uh, has an email they'd like to read? I do. Let me put my glasses. <laughs> Come on, Nancy Sinatra. <laughs> uh, okay, this one is from Jennifer Rankin. Uh, says, "Hi, pi- podcast team. We'll be at Disney World for a week in March. We're not going to buy the water park and more options." However, I promised my son I would take him to Disney Quest for one day. Is there a place to purchase Disney Quest tickets at a discount, or do you have to buy them at the door? No, they sell tickets on the Diz. I went and looked it up. Disney Quest at the gate is thirty nine forty one. If you purchase the tickets online, it's thirty dollars and twenty five cents. That's through the uh, the official ticket center, who's our uh, our ticket broker on the site. We've been doing business with them for quite a while. And those are legitimate prices. Those are right. You're actually saving ten dollars a ticket on that. So, for children um, three to nine, at the gate they charge thirty three oh two. On the site it's twenty six seventy five. So you do save like six dollars and twenty seven cents. So that's some decent uh, savings if you get a couple of kids. And Disney Quest is such a great time. Oh, they'll be they'll be thrilled all day long. Well, so you know, and 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 so will the adults. You know, actually, we have a segment coming up on uh, probably next week. 
my top ten things you're not doing in Orlando for 2009. And Disney Quest is on the list because it it will it does. Ha- I don't care whether you're into video games or not, whether you enjoy that stuff or not. It has appeal to everyone. And if I need proof, I just look at Walter because this is somebody who is just not into video games, is not like not at all into any of that stuff. Had a great time. No, we had a wonderful time all day long. That was that was a lot of fun. It's just a lot of things to do. It's very engaging. It's a great place to go. And, you know, $30 a clip, it's well worth it. Some people may look at that and like, why am I going to pay $30 to go to an arcade? It's an arcade the way, the, the way only Disney could make an arcade. So, How many floors is it? Um, five, I believe. I thought it was well, five. Technically, it's five, but there's actually like like stuff you want to do on like three, three or four. Because like the bottom floor is like really the entrance, and the the top floor is uh, the the eating area. Is that still the Cheesecake Factory? No, that they, they came out of there a couple of years ago. But uh, the food wasn't terribly bad. So the only time I ever went was when it first opened. No, it was a lot of fun. I, I would go some, back. I had some family in town over the holidays, and there were three boys, seven, 13, or 7, 11, and 13, and they thought it was the highlight. They must have thought they died and went to heaven. Then. They actually chose to do that other than a park because the parks were so crowded. Oh, yeah, that would yeah, be a better option, actually. And it saved them money. I mean, yeah. a lot cheaper than going to a park for days. So. My uncle actually sat on a bench with a book outside and <laughs> told him, if anything goes wrong, come out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for that, Walter. Who else? I have one. Teresa. I'm going to massacre this man's name. This comes from Clint Amspacher in Leola, Pennsylvania. I'm sorry if that's wrong. Of the four Disney parks, which would be the best for young teenagers? I'm pretty sure you won't pick the Magic Kingdom. Laugh out loud. Ha, ha, ha. If you could list the specific rides, attractions, that would be great. We last visited Walt Disney World in 2003. Wondering what cool attractions were added since. I pulled Grace and Max. They both said Hollywood Studios. Oh, Grace is 13. Max is 18. 18. Max actually said Epcot because he likes the rides there. The, really? I don't know the names of the rides. The little... Soren. Soren. No, we have yet to do Soren. I think Max did it, though. There's Test Track. Test, test Track. Mission Space. Mission both Space. of those are good. Mm-hmm. And Grace likes the Tower of Terror and the... Aerosmith thing. Rock and, Rock and roller, 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 coaster. roller Coaster. At Disney so. Hollywood Studios. Either one of those, I think, would be good. I think now with the addition of Toy Story Mania, Disney Hollywood Studios has become a better place for kids. Oh, yeah. Than, than the other parks. It's become for, a better place, period. For that age, for the age group. I definitely think that. Uh, you know, Magic Kingdom's got classic stuff that I think the teens would like. You know, Splash Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain. But Space Mountain before April. Yeah. Yeah. Before. Haunted Mansion. So I think that people have an idea that the Magic Kingdom is going to be just for little kids and a lot of those little kids' rides. I think there's cool rides at the Magic Kingdom. My favorite. But I'm not a young teen. No, really? Are you 23? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you thank don't you. Count the even years. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, thank you, Teresa. Um, I've got one here, actually, from uh, Melissa Barkley. This actually came in today, and I, it just was really interesting. She forwarded this across, forwarded this off to us. Um, she found it on Flickr. It is a uh, – somebody digitized this and put it up. It is a letter dated June seventh, 1938, from Walt Disney Productions to a young girl or, or girl, a lady – in Arkansas, named Mary Ford. Uh, 
The letter reads, Dear Miss Ford, Your letter of recent date has been received in the inking and painting department for reply. Women do not do any of the creative work in connection with preparing the cartoons for the screen as that work is performed entirely by young men. Mm. For this reason, girls are not considered for the training school. The only work open to women consists of Birthing. tracing <laughs> the characters on clear celluloid sheets with India ink and filling in the tracings on the reverse side with paint according to directions. In order to apply for a position as an inker or a painter, it is necessary that one appear at the studios bringing samples of pen and ink and watercolor work. It would not be advisable to come to Hollywood with the above specifically in view, as there are really very few openings in comparison with the number of girls who apply. Very oh, truly yours, Walt Disney Productions. John! <laughs> Can you... <laughs> but, you know, it just... It's, it's, I would have broke my heart. Well... It, it just I, I just thought it was such a, a an interesting snapshot of a mindset in this country you know I mean albeit 70 years ago but um, so only young boys did this so what is it uh, well yeah as that work uh, uh, women do not do any of the creative work in connection with preparing the cartoons for the screen as that work is performed entirely by young men Um there's so much I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, like I said, it's, you know, as she, uh, uh, as, as Melissa writes in, in, in her email, could you imagine such a letter today? I mean, it just, you know. It was a different time. It was. It was. Just, I thought it was interesting. Beautiful, beautiful stationery, though, just passing it around. It's funny because there's a woman on the letter. Yeah, the woman is a woman who signed the letter. A woman wrote the letter to this girl, huh. and it's got a picture of Snow White. And it's got on a it. picture of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. But she's not inking or drawing. <laughs> she's just living with dwarves. Who do all the creative work? I just, True, but they're not young men. I realize we've come a long way, but that just almost seems mind-boggling that that it was like that at one point. Yeah. Oh, there's a witch down there too. You have seen Snow White, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, didn't see, I didn't know the witch was at the bottom. <laughs> wow. You sound surprised. <laughs> wow. Wow. Because there's nothing better for radio than listening to someone read. I was looking at the picture. We'll go ahead and we'll get, we're going to have a, a link uh, to that letter. On the show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. That's where we have uh, what became of information on uh, information on all our shows. <laughs> she got a gun and went to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's probably the president of Walt Disney. You can find information on all our shows on the show notes page. Links to the things we talk about and the uh, Kathy. Kathy's actually writing something down. I think she's, she's like, going to go home and look up this lady's name. I can tell what it. There's the one that went to Well, it wasn't. It was shortly thereafter that that changed. I mean, what do you think her last name is? I'm sure there's something on the internet about this. C L E something. I'll I'll look up the letter online. So, well, thank you very much, Melissa, for sending that into us. The 30s. I thought it was the 50s. No, I said 1938. Wow. That's what makes it 71 years ago. That could have been my mother. are picking on everybody today. What's up with she you? She remembers the weather in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't remember something I said five minutes ago. Um, 
All right. Well, again, thank you very much for that, Melissa. I appreciate it. Our next voicemail comes to us from Chris Cash in Indianapolis, who has a brief review of eating around Walt Disney World with food allergies. So here is Chris. Hello, podcast crew. This is Chris Cash from Indianapolis, Indiana, and I have a review of eating around Disney World with food allergies, but also of Ohana in particular. Let me start off by saying that my daughter, who is nine years old, has had celiac disease, at least diagnosed, for the last two years, which and this means that she is unable to eat anything with wheat gluten in it, uh, including hamburger buns, anything with bread in it, anything that uh, has noodles, uh, just almost everything at a restaurant that you can think of. Uh, so we have struggled for the last two years anytime we go out to find things that she can and, and will eat. So it was amazing to walk in to uh, Epcot the first day to go in to the electric umbrella and to be able to order right off the menu a gluten-free hamburger bun for her so that she could have her first hamburger bun in two years eating out at a restaurant. It was just incredible to see the look on her face when everywhere we went, they went out of their way to accommodate her needs and to make sure that she had uh, either gluten-free noodles, gluten-free buns and bread, uh, even gluten-free pizzas available for her at counter service restaurants, uh, gluten-free waffles for her at the breakfast buffets. It, uh, they, they would go in the back and they'd pull out special desserts for her that they had prepared without wheat in them. Uh, it was just fantastic, and she was beside herself excited every time we went to eat. Now, I wanted to speak specifically about Ohana because Chef TJ at Ohana is very well known in the uh, allergy bulletin boards for the excessive lengths that he will go to to take care of people with food allergies. Now, we tried for a month to get an ADR at Ohana that was at a time when our children wouldn't be completely exhausted. You know, the 9 o'clock seatings just weren't going to cut it for us. And we were unable to get in. So two days before we had hoped to go, I was still anxiously trying to get in. And we ended up going to the Polynesian to have dinner at the counter service restaurant. And because of our food allergy, we always had to ask to talk to a chef at the restaurant so that they could prepare my daughter's food specially for her. Well, Chef TJ came down because he was also the chef for the counter service restaurant at uh, Captain Cook's. And I started up a conversation. And let me tell you, knowing your chef and buttering them up a little bit can go a long way. I told him that we had been reading about him, how... Uh, special his services were to those of us who had food allergy issues and how I'd been trying to get into Ohana for a month and not been able to and he took down my information and said I'll give you a call back tonight when I get off he called us back and he had set up a reservation at 5:30 at Ohana's two nights from then and it was awesome. Now, those of you who don't have children, you probably aren't going to appreciate Ohana very much. And I can understand that. It's very loud and crowded and noisy. But my kids just absolutely loved the coconut bowling, 
the hula hoops, the lays, the singing, the dancing around. They were mad at me after two hours when we said it was time to go because they were hoping to do another round of hula hooping before we had to go. I know the kids love the uh, the activities. I think that's great. My problem is with the the food they're serving. I, I'm just... You do know the Magic Kingdom is a short monorail ride and wagon. <laughs> They have rides <laughs> and things. That hula hooping during dinner at the Magic Kingdom <laughs> seems excessive. <laughs> so, for families with children, this is an excellent restaurant. It's definitely not, definitely not the kind of place you're going to go for a romantic night away. But uh, we, we went there. The food was excellent. It wasn't gourmet, but... It was very good, and it was filling, and the entertainment was excellent. And Chef TJ came out, and he personally talked to my daughter about what she wanted. He pretty much just said, tell me what you want. I'll make you anything. Of course, she went for the hamburger. But uh, he came out with this hamburger that was drizzled uh, in designs with raspberry sauce and rice which was the other thing she had asked for that was piled up in a shape that looked like a big ice cream sundae and she just her eyes were so big when she saw this and her mouth just dropped to the floor and then later on when it was time for dessert he came out with a specially prepared ice cream sundae uh, these skewer sticks with ice cream layered with gluten-free brownies, which she had also not had in quite a long time, uh, just up on these huge skewer sticks stuck into a pineapple. And then he drizzled the whole thing right at the table with uh, chocolate sauce, and she was just in heaven. So I highly, highly recommend uh, checking out Disney for anybody who has food allergy issues. They bend over so far backwards, it's not even funny how well they take care of you there and how excellent the service was for those of us who had these special needs. I wish I knew of even one restaurant in Indianapolis that would go that far out of their way for my daughter. So of all the things that Disney does well, this is definitely one of them. Check it out. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate the... uh the voicemail, and it's especially good to hear reports like this about, uh, especially for, for people with food allergies, because we, I, you know I hear it pretty frequently that you know the the chefs really will go out of their way. I didn't think they would be that accommodating. It's, oh, yeah. No, they will Tremendous. really. It's it's one of the things Disney. You know, this, there are many things Disney does well. This is certainly one of them. You know, for all the criticism I'll give their management. Um, you know, you can really say that there that there there is that element at Disney, uh, like this uh, chef TJ as he was talking about, who will just you know they get obsessive about making sure that you know it's because look they could they could have uh, you know a basic frozen dinner prepared for food allergies, heat it up and throw it on a plate because that's what a lot of places do. They're not content with that. They're going to create a gourmet dish. If you're in a restaurant, they're going to create a dish. They want you walking out of there, regardless of what your allergy is. They want you walking out of there with the same experience that somebody without an allergy is walking out of there with. And uh, so, especially you know, for his daughter, I thought this was a really, really good, uh, 
really good report, and I think it's important for people to know and to hear that if you communicate with them, um, you know, Disney can't read your mind. Um, communicate with them. Let them know what you need. Be clear about it. Call before you go. Uh, they will. They take it real seriously, and they will. They will really bend over backwards and and do whatever they can to accommodate you. So it was a great report, Chris. I really, really appreciate the phone call. Have you ever eaten gluten-free food? No. Yes. No. It needs gluten. It does. <laughs> can I say, can I add something to this? I just got a uh, private message from someone who was afraid to disagree with me about a restaurant review. Restaurant reviews are opinions. That's all they are. There's nothing factual about them other than I'm telling you what my experience was. John and I discuss our experiences and we tell you what we think about them it's not right it's not wrong it's an opinion right it's our opinion exactly and as for if your children are excited by hula hoops and coconut races and you're willing, and you're willing to spend the money to entertain them with hula hoops and coconuts that's what makes the world go round we i said some things in the middle about the magic kingdom if this is what you are willing to do i myself think restaurants should focus on the food and then the entertainment value should come second. But it's an opinion. It's my opinion. So if you disagree with me, great. As long as you're listening, you can disagree all you want. You're wrong, but you can disagree. (laughs) (laughs) So I just wanted to let people know that it's just my opinion. All right. Well, thank you again, Chris. Thank you, Kevin, for that little addendum. Who has an email they'd like to read? I have one. Mine is from Nancy, and she's from Bergenfield, New Jersey. Hi, gang. I have a question about the Walt, about the What Will You Celebrate promotion. As it works out, we are scheduled for the Disney Cruise on, on July 18th. We're going to Walt Disney World beforehand. Actually, they're going to Walt Disney World afterwards. My son's birthday is July 24th, one day before our arrival at Walt Disney World. He'll be turning 17. Is Disney Cruise Line doing anything special for what will you celebrate? Or is there anything he can get at Walt Disney World the day after his birthday besides the birthday button? Um, To answer your question, the what will you celebrate promotion is not taking place on Disney Cruise Line per se. They're not going to have special decorations. They're not doing anything above and beyond what they always do. You can get the button. It's my birthday button on the Disney Cruise Line. By going to guest services, they'll gladly give you that. You can request the cake um, for the meal, which when he turns 17, definitely do that. The servers will come over, and they'll make a big deal about it, and they'll sing and all that good stuff. You can't do anything earlier or when it's not your birthday at Walt Disney World. So it's not like you can say, my birthday was yesterday. Can I get the merchandise gift card or something like that. So Disney Cruise Line is not participating in that. Now, there are other things you can do. Um, you can order room decorations and have his, have the room decorated for him if you like. Um, something you can do is contact Shirley at The Perfect Gift, and she can have a gift basket made. And she's really good about personalizing it, so you can talk to her about what his likes are. And She's also like the sweetest woman alive. She really is. So if you want to do something really special, that's something you can do to add to it. But the but the Disney Cruise Line is not celebrating, is not participating in the What Will You Celebrate promotion per se. I have a question, John. You said you could have the room decorated. Is that at extra cost? Yes. Or is that, is cost? This is Disney. Everything is extra cost. Okay. I didn't know. When he turned 17, she got paid more money. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are um, 
packages you can purchase and have the room decorated a certain way and they'll be set up for you. Now, what a lot of people do is they'll bring their own decorations. Then when the kid's out of the room, go back to the room and decorate it for them. Save some money on that. These things can be pretty expensive, especially whatever you do through Disney Cruise Line can be very expensive. Well, I had heard, it's been a while back, that someone's child had lost a tooth on the cruise and Mm -hmm. they made it all special. That. You think that cost extra? Because the parents didn't do anything with that. They just came in and... A lot of times, cast members have the ability to go above and beyond and make what they call magical moments for guests. Right. So a lot of it will depend on the cast member you talk to. I remember the story you're talking about. It happened to Sue Ellen, one of our, our agents, okay. Dreams Unlimited Travel Agents. She went to guest services. All she wanted to have done was she wanted to have um, whatever she was giving her child in, in, to replace the tooth waiting in the room for them when they got back from the show that evening okay. so that he'd be surprised. And Disney Cruise Line took it upon themselves to do a bunch of extra stuff, sprinkled pixie dust right, I remember to that. say the Tooth Fairy was there. She was trying to replace his tooth? <laughs> replace his tooth with an award, like the, you know, the Tooth Fairy gives the kids money. Used to get I have to dime. listen to the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were going to give him an implant while he was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> a gold one. <laughs> with a diamond in the middle. <laughs> So you can have a nice fancy grill. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, those are things that cast members have the power to do to make things special for guests. But it's not something you should ever go into and expect. One of the worst things that happens is people do that and then go, well, that didn't happen to me. Right. And if your 17-year-old loses his tooth, you have bigger <laughs> things to worry about. Well, I was thinking about Stella. She's got, like, numerous loose teeth. You know, we're going on a cruise. <laughs> you knock her out a bit before you we just hit you a couple more times. <laughs> Don't knock it out yet. Wait. Wait till Stand May. Stand still while Mommy ties this to the door. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to tape them in till May, and then they can just You guys are up. sick. <laughs> <laughs> can you use that super putty you got <laughs> you go. on TV? Huh? Oh, all right. Well, thank you for that, John. All right. Next up, we have Neil from Syracuse, who has an interesting story about his experience with the Richard Petty Driving School. So here is Neil. Hi, podcast guys. This is Neil from Syracuse, New York. After listening to William report on the Richard Petty driving experience early this year, I decided that this was something that I had to do for my wife. Before I married her, she had a reputation for getting a speeding ticket right about the time that one was coming off of her license. Of course, I managed to slow her down with threats and mumbling things about insurance rates. Surprisingly, she has had no speeding tickets in the last 15 years. Well, at least none that have stuck. In the middle of December, my wife and kids were discussing possible birthday gifts for me, and my wife mentioned the Richard Petty driving experience, and I quickly defused the thought by mumbling something about too much money, too expensive. We have two kids that are 8 and 12. I made sure not to tell them my plans because it's really tough for them to keep a secret that long. I finally let them in on it after we arrived in Orlando. The plan was to not let her in on the surprise until we drove up to the track. Seeing as how they are not opened every day, my original plan, after perusing my tour guide Mike best days to visit each park printout, was to go on Wednesday morning. When we saw the weather report, rain was predicted for Wednesday afternoon, so I decided to move it up to Monday morning. Now on Sunday, to make it to the park for gate opening, we left around 8 or 8.15 in the morning. 
Surprisingly, when I told her that we had to leave for the park at 7.15 the next morning, she never questioned it. The next morning, we all got up early, and while I was sitting around waiting, I had a moment of panic. My wife did not take her wallets to the park, and she needed her driver's license to do the Richard Petty driving experience. So I snuck into her wallet, took her license, and stuck it in my wallet. Five minutes later, she comes down in a panic and tells me that she couldn't find her driver's license. I'm thinking, yeah, what were the chances of that happening? I calmly told her that I had it. She asked why, and I told her she gave it to me at the airport for the check-in, and I still had it, and then I showed it to her to prove it. Even though she took her license to the park in her pocket the day before, she never questioned this. On the way to the track, my wife asked me what time the park opened, and I somehow dodged the question. When we arrived at the track, she assumed that I was going to do the experience myself. It wasn't until we were inside the building and she was signing her name to all the legal forms that it really hit her what was going on. To make a long story short, she had a blast. This was one of her life goals, to drive a fast car on a real racetrack. The interesting thing we noticed was the reaction from some of the other people who did the experience. There were those that came out of the car with a big smile on their faces, and there were others who, when asked how it was, merely replied, eh, it was okay. My wife was in the former group, of course. There appears to be an advantage to going there on an off time. Normally, they can handle a class of about 30 people. On that day, my wife, the walk-in, was the eighth person in the class. Well, except for gas and tires, their overhead is pretty much the same. They figure that a full class takes about three to four hours to get everybody through their laps. Well, with eight people, they had a lot of extra time on their hands, and they still have to pay the bills, so the fire sale began. They reduced the price of the ride-alongs to half price, $69, for the family members that were there, and even suggested the drivers take advantage of that, as people tend to do better after having been around the track a few times with the professional drivers. Secondly, they sold extra laps for half price, $200 for eight extra laps. My wife didn't want to spend the money for the extra laps, but she eventually realized that the same opportunity was not going to come along soon, so she finally jumped at the chance. After she finished, she said that if she died that night, she would die a happy woman. <laughs> now let's move on to a restaurant review. We really wanted to try a Brazilian steakhouse on this visit. We heard the good things said about Texas Day Brazil. We had heard about another restaurant close by called Nalore. They appeared to be nearly identical in how they operate and the foods that they served. Nalore was, I believe, about $10 cheaper than Texas Day Brazil. Reviews from people that actually ate there were hard to come by. Well, in the interest of helping out our fellow podcasters, we decided to try them both, armed with our trusty coupons, of course. We went to Nalore on the day we arrived, a Saturday night. We got there about 6 p.m., and they were maybe a quarter full. The gauchos kept bringing the food until we could eat no more. The food was very good, and surprisingly, the cheaper cups of beef were actually better than the more expensive cuts. We left quite happy with our meal. A few days later, we went to Texas Day Brazil. The place was packed. 
We got seated at our table, and the first thing we noticed was the higher level of service from the staff. Someone was always coming around to verify that everything was all right, and the gauchos were flying out of the kitchen at a regular basis. Being busier and having more staff means short waits for more food. We were informed many times that if we desired something special or something prepared differently, just ask. While the choices between the two restaurants were comparable and the quality of the meats were comparable, the seasoning of the meats at Texas Day Brazil was just a little better than that at Nalore's. The level of service, if that is important to you, is also better at Texas Day Brazil since a fuller restaurant seems to have more energy. At one point, the manager, who was named Oscar, stopped by to our table and says to me, I see an empty plate. What do you want me to get you? I told him the house special, and he quickly disappeared and came back with a gaucho sword in hand. My wife replied to me, he's trying to get rid of us to turn the table. Well, later, Oscar showed up again and spent about five minutes talking with us. He asked if we were getting dessert. When we told him that we were too full to eat dessert, he tells us we must try the papaya ice cream, as papaya aids digestion. He disappears, comes back with a big glass filled with the papaya ice cream for us to share, and he spent several more minutes with us discussing this Brazilian staple. It became obvious that Oscar was not trying to get rid of us. He was just there trying to make his customers happy. Well, the bottom line is that you really can't go wrong at either restaurant. If you have a large party and the $10 a person difference is an important consideration, then you will get more than an acceptable meal at Nalore. If money is not an issue, Texas Day Brazil is the place to be for the energy, service, and seasoning of the food. Lastly, I just wanted to say that it was nice talking to most of you at MouseFest, as it is nice to put a face to people that you hear on the radio. I hope you enjoyed this review. Well, thank you very much, Neil. I appreciate you uh, calling in with all that all that good information, uh, especially on the uh, Richard Petty driving experience. I thought that was interesting that they were, as you put it, doing a fire sale. Uh, but I guess if they need to, uh, you know, if they, if they don't have the, the customers coming in the way they want them, that's what they have to do to get the, get the numbers they got to post. And uh, I hadn't heard of that. Have you, have you heard of that steakhouse? Or this, the uh, I have not heard I of it. I think that. it used to be the Whistle Stop Junction. Are you yeah, kidding it's me? a brand new place that we passed it by the other day. It's hard to go anywhere else when there's Texas Day Brazil right there. It, it's Texas incredible. Day Brazil has proven to be so popular that yeah. there's a bunch of them popping up. Yeah. And I agree with John. If I can go there, I'd rather go there. I haven't tried this other place. I haven't. We haven't either. Yeah, you seem to enjoy it. I'm glad you did. It's a good option, you know. You just can't beat the food at Texas de Brazil. It is good. Because you have that, that thing, one side's red, one's green. You turn it on green, and they just descend upon you with meat. They're cutting off sausages and pieces oh. of pork it's and steak. Good, yeah. and, oh, my God. You can't eat for four days later, though. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. It's quite the glutton so, fest. Yeah, it's, fest. Well, again, thank you very much for that, Neil. Who has an email they'd like to read? I do. I have to put my glasses on. All right, Grandma. Well, that's become part of the podcast bingo. Not cat glasses, though. Mine were $10 at a drugstore. This is, says, hi, podcast team. This is from Lauren from New York City. She is LMO429 on the boards. Lauren is one of our podcast winners, I believe. She won the photo contest, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. 
Uh, hi, podcast team. My aunt recently had the pleasure, in quotes, of being at Walt Disney World on New Year's Eve. She said the crowds were horrendous and were nothing like she had ever seen before. At times, she felt scared for her safety. I had read on the boards other guests fearing for their safety as well, guests pushing one another, one of the parades being canceled due to a weather, I'm sorry, due to a water leak, excuse me. Possible cause being the bathroom overflowing. My aunt said at one point she waited in line about 30 minutes to use the restroom. In addition, I read on another thread that police and security were even having a hard time making their way through the crowds to assist guests in need. These crowds and conditions sound like a potential lawsuit waiting to happen. Letting so many people in the park is dangerous and seems to make the experience at Walt Disney World less enjoyable. I know at the end of the day, it's about Disney making money, and that is why they allow so many people into the park on New Year's Eve. However, based on what I'm reading and from my aunt's experience, it would seem logical to make New Year's Eve, Christmas, Fourth of July, and any other holiday that brings such ridiculous crowds a hard-ticket event starting at 7 or 8 p.m. This way, Disney can limit the amount of people in the park and can charge a premium for admission. What are your thoughts on this? Has Disney ever charged extra for admission on a major holiday like New Year's Eve? If not, what would the reason be or reasons for not doing so? Although I would never go to a park on New Year's Eve, if I did go, I know I would be willing to spend extra money to be guaranteed less crowds and a safer and more enjoyable experience. Looking forward to meeting all of you on the podcast cruise. Lauren. Uh... I guess this is just an opinion thing. Disney can control the number of people in their parks on any given day. And there is a certain amount of people in the park that they feel is a comfortable number. It's extremely, on those days, it is extremely crowded. But I guess they're within their legal rights. We tell people to avoid those parks on those days. If you can stay out of the park on 4th of July or Christmas Day or New Year's Eve you're going to be a happier camper. It is very, very crowded. You have to definitely want to be there for that day, and you have to be very willing to put up with what comes with it. As for making it a hard-ticket event, I think the outcry would be horrendous. I just think I think that would cause hysteria if people had to pay extra to go on a holiday. I could see maybe for New Year's Eve, but not for, like, Fourth of July. But, again, people need to pack their patience because I've sat in the Epcot parking lot for, like, two and a half hours trying to get out after 4th of July. And the next year I says, no, it's it's not worth it. I think you only have to do it once to never right. want to do it again. Exactly. I've told this story numerous times. We Bob and Mike, their idea of a good Christmas morning to get was to get up at the crack of dawn and get into the Magic Kingdom. Bob's favorite thing to do was to have a sticky bun at the Main Street Bakery. And he would be in the first wave of people into the park, and they would get a seat, and they would watch the waves of people come in. Once about 9 o'clock hit, they would leave and go home. They thought that was great fun. Well, they invited us, John and I, to do it. And we decided one year to do it. Well, not being the early risers that we are, we got there about 9.30. And for those of you who have been to the Magic Kingdom, we the ticket and transportation center loading area for the monorail and the riverboat were full. Just past the ticket booths, there was no room. We had to get in line to get into that area, to that plaza on the other side of the ticket booths. I actually, I called and I said, are you really in the Magic Kingdom? And they said, yes. I said, we are not even near the monorail. For us to get on the monorail, they were suggesting it was a three-hour wait to get to the monorail. Are you kidding? No. It was a nightmare. We wished them a Merry Christmas, and we turned around and we went home. I've been there when they've had buses to help with the overflow. But, 
you know, I did it just to say that I had done it, but it, it's not, you know, when there's that many people going over to the park, that's not fun. It, 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 in my opinion, it's not. There are people who like the festive, uh, the crowd atmosphere, the festivities of the whole thing. However, if you're looking for a day in the Magic Kingdom, you're not going to get to do the things you're looking to do. If you're looking to be part of that crowd, it's like going to New Year's Eve in Times Square. You stand in one spot for several hours, but you can say you were there. That's kind of how I feel about the parks on any of those major holidays. You can say you were there, but you're not going to get on any of the attractions. Uh, we had family in town the week between Christmas and New Year, and they went to Hollywood Studios, and they went, waited 40 minutes for a hot dog. Wow. Yeah, we went the day uh, Saturday after Christmas with my sister. The longest wait was the bathroom. The women's bathroom, I'm sorry. Men were, you know, moving in and out. But. So I, I don't know that I would I, – I don't know that Disney would ever do anything like make those holidays a hard-ticket event. I think the public outcry would just be too great. And, you know, even if they did do a hard-ticket event, there's nothing to say they wouldn't sell just as many tickets right, and right. pack the place like sardines – it's what they do. It's what they do, especially right now. I mean, they're not going to turn anybody away. So um, there is a. Uh, I have heard some figures. I understand that Animal Kingdom tops out at fifty thousand people. I understand that the Magic Kingdom tops out between seventy and seventy-five thousand people. Uh, I don't know that Epcot has a number. I'm sure it does. But Epcot being so large, it absorbs a whole lot more people. And I believe the studio tops out at about 40,000 people. These are, these are things I've heard. I don't have this in writing. I don't have any way to verify that. Disney won't give that information. But these are the things I've heard. So that's a lot of people in one place. That is. The Magic Kingdom also has a couple of areas that bog down. The turn going from Liberty Square by the Haunted Mansion into Fantasyland with the strollers at the Peter Pan ride and It's a Small World, that place just gets so crowded. So, thanks, Lauren. Thank you very much for that, Kevin. Who else has one? I have one. Kathy. It's this high podcast team. This is Michelle. She's Misha Me on the board here from snowy and freezing. Can't talk. Toronto, Ontario here. Just wanted to wish everyone a great and wonderful new year. My question is, what do you guys recommend for dining on Mother's Day? At this time, the hours for May are still not out, but wanted to get a general idea of what is available at Disney. We are a party of six with three moms, myself, my sister, and our mom. But we also have two small children, ages six and four, who need to be considered. I'm not sure about the Epcot special brunch because of the little ones. Will there be enough to keep them, to tempt them, and will they be bored to tears? I don't want to ruin anyone's, I didn't bring my glasses, ruin anyone's mother's special day with my rowdy bunch of little heathens, excuse me, um, sorry, children. So should we stay clear of this upscale event? Aha. Uh-huh. Now I magnifying glass. (laughs) (laughs) We are staying at the Poly, so we have access to a lot of options. Thanks for any assistance you can provide, and keep up the great work, Michelle. Anybody have any suggestions? I did the Mother's Day brunch. I wasn't. I oh, I thought the Mother's Day brunch was excellent. It it was good. I don't know that little kids. I mean, they had a lot of selections for little kids. I just thought it was overpriced. Uh, Well, I, 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 I have to I have to disagree with you on that. I thought for the quality. 
of the food they were offering because the, the food was outstanding. And uh, I know we brought Bridget, my six-year-old, five-year-old niece, and uh, we've done it twice now. And uh, both times she had a great time. She had a wonderful time. Maybe it's gotten better. I don't know. Uh, this past Mother's Day and the one before, um, I had done it with my mom. It's now a tradition for us. It was just... Did they have characters? Because they just had no. uh, Prince Charming was there. Well, they had they had uh, some characters out in front taking... Uh, as you came in, there was an area set up for character photographs, uh, but not actually in the buffet okay. itself. Yeah, that's the way it was when but I they had But they had a, a cookie-making station... Uh, a Sunday, you know, oh, then they make have your own changed it. make your own Sundays. Um, they had the Mickey waffles and all that other. They have a, they had a lot of stuff for kids, and kid, there were a lot of kids there. And like I said, we had we had Bridget with us, and uh, it because was we got through eating and saw a whole zone of food we hadn't even we oh hadn't yeah. even know was there. Oh, see, the year I went, it was mostly like adults. There, there was I mean, like there was a kids area. But there was hardly anybody over there, no, so maybe it's changed. All of the regular restaurants are open for Mother's Day also, all of the regular Disney restaurants. So if there's one of those that piques your interest, I think that would be a good idea, too. I've never been to the special Mother's Day brunch. Mother's Day is the one day of the year that I guilt my children that they have to do something for me for Mother's Day. No excuses. You have to guilt them? I, I just remind them so that they can't go, oh, I, I forgot you should have said something. And I just go, look, I've done for you all year long. The <laughs> least you can do for me is take life. me out to breakfast or do something special for me on Mother's Day. And trust me, my kids bust their butt to do something for me okay, on Mother's good. Day. Okay, good. Can you do that for younger children? <laughs> yeah. It, I've been doing that since they were little. Really? <laughs> Kathy ain't having it. She makes <laughs> her son shovel rocks, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. If you're looking for something fancier, I mean, making a reservation at someplace like Yachtsman Steakhouse or Narcissus. Now, again, your children, it's a meal. It's a restaurant. But, I mean, it's not a character meal. And I thought it was nice, too. I don't know if they do it at all the parks, but I know at Epcot they gave all the mothers a carnation as you came in. And I thought that was something special that the mothers felt special for the day. So you could have, you know. Eat and counter service, and I would have thought it was a big deal. Eat with all your kids. That would be special. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, thank you very much for that, Kathy. Um, all right. I have an email here from Christy, uh, Mini Garden on the board. She writes, we had played one played a voicemail last week about coffee, good coffee on the cruise. Uh, this, is, uh, this is Mike's wife. Uh, now that Mike's secret is out, he is a coffee snob, and I have to confess, I am a spa snob, and Pete, I have loved your spa reports. We are staying at the Swan Dolphin for a couple of days before and after the podcast cruise. Which spa would you recommend I visit? Naturally, my spa instincts would say both, but my bank account says pick one. So which one should I choose? I have also seen that there is a cabana massage offered on Castaway Key. How would you rate that experience? And do you have a favorite treatment or spa experience that you recommend? Um, well, Christy, I can tell you that uh, the product and pricing at both the uh, Vista Spa on the cruise and the Mandara Spa at the Swan Dolphin are pretty much identical. These are uh, Elemis uh, spas. That's the product that they use. Elemis spas tend to be a little bit more expensive than others uh, because the product is better. Um, so you're looking at six of one, half dozen of the other. 
if I have to choose one over the other, it would, I would choose the Vista Spa on the ship, uh, simply because it's uh, – while, while the Mandara Spa is very nice, don't get me wrong. I think they did a beautiful job with it. The, the, the Vista Spa on the Disney Cruise Line is a very, very unique experience, especially with the rainforest room, access to the rainforest room with any, uh, with any treatment that you get done. Uh, the rainforest room is a, like the highlight of a cruise for me. I just love, love, love hanging out in those steam rooms. As far as treatments, if if your bank account's an issue, this is going to be too expensive for you. But um, I can tell you, Walter and I have done twice now. Have done the uh, the couples uh, the couples suite. Uh, they have three of them, two or three of them, I believe. Uh, these are suites that are the, these were staterooms that have been that were converted for use. Or well, well no, I'm sorry. This, they, this was actually part of the gymnasium it was area. Part of the gym, right? And they converted it into like almost like staterooms, but they have massage tables and then they have balconies with a hot tub with the mm. whirlpool tub, and uh, you can you know you can have a couple of treatments done. We had a, we had last time we did it we had a facial done, and we had a couple's massage done. And uh, it was it was pretty spectacular. Um, so was the price. I mean, it was very... it was like a. I think we were in there for about four and a half hours, and the price came to somewhere with the tip about eight hundred dollars. So it can get very pricey. So you know that I, I you know I realize that's very expensive. Um, you can you know if you want to do something on your own, uh, any of the facials they offer are terrific. The massages are good too. Uh, the massages, the massages are good. And you're, t- you're asking about the massage on Castaway Key, and what I recommend it. It's a unique place to get a massage, but you're face down the entire time. You're not looking at that. You know, when you walk in, you see that great view of the beach and the ocean. That's really cool. But then you get on a massage table and you're staring at the floor. And you know, yeah, you have the sounds and the and the air and stuff. But I don't know that it's particularly any better than getting a massage on the ship or back on land. So would I go out of my way? I think there are better things to do with your time on Castaway Key. Is the price the same? or? Um, I actually think it's more expensive. I, I might be wrong on that. The cabana? But I'm almost positive the, the, uh, the cabana is a, a bit more expensive hmm. uh, to do the cabana massage. Uh, again, you're paying, for, you're paying for doing this on the beach. I would I would say get a if you're going to do the massage get it on the ship and uh, save the extra money and uh, but definitely take advantage of like the rainforest room uh, depending on what length or if you're going on the uh, podcast cruise you're going to be on a four night I think it's like forty dollars fifty dollars for the for the four days to have unlimited access to the rainforest room you get the uh, uh, you know get access to the steam rooms and the all that stuff it's really cool it's really cool so i would that's that would be my recommendation so all right and finally this week chuck from maryville tennessee has a question for us about magical express here is chuck hello podcast crew this is chuck calling from maryville tennessee i've got a couple quick questions for you first my wife and i normally fly into orlando use magical express to and from our resort this year, we want to change things just a little. We want to fly in a day early and stay the first night off-site. My question is about Magical Express. Can we utilize Magical Express just for our return trip back to the airport, 
or do we have to use it for both trips? Secondly, the rental car that we will pick up at the airport, we would like to return as close to Disney property as possible. I do understand that somewhere on Disney property there is a location that you can return a car to, and I've also heard that the Swan and Dolphin has a location there. We're going to be staying at the Boardwalk Villas, so the Swan Dolphin would be the best option for us. Uh, can you give me a little information about that location, the hours, and, and how does one go about returning a car there? And lastly, uh, my wife and I are new DVC members, and I just kind of wanted to let you know that we use the Timeshare store and just to let everyone know that they are really awesome. They they made the whole process for us just completely painless. Uh, they, they, they were just wonderful. So anyway, we thank you guys for the work that you do, and have a good day. Well, thank you very much, Chuck. Appreciate you calling in. Um, the uh, the rental desk at the Swan Dolphin is an Alamo rental desk uh, where you can uh, rent a car and return it there. Uh, on uh, well, actually, also has National National Car Rental is also there, and uh, I believe it's Enterprise Rent a Car is the one that's on Disney I think, property. I think it's Alamo now. Yeah, it's Alamo. Is it Alamo now? Turned over to Alamo. So it's Alamo is your. Uh, Alamo's the rental company on property, and uh, that would be the uh, that would be the recommendation. Now, as far as uh, he he asked about coming in early, yeah, Magical Express, um, you can take it one way. Absolutely, you just got to give them the information about what when you want to use it in your flight information. So that's not a problem. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what the hours are for the rental car place at the Swan Dolphin. You might want to give them a call. And see when they're accepting cars to be dropped off and that type of thing. Um, the problem, I guess, is because you're limited to just using that rental car company. You know, you have to be careful if you're going to use Budget or Thrifty or somebody else yeah. who's near the airport. You just can't drop it off there. Not true. Yeah. Now, for National Car Rental, the number is one eight hundred Car Rent C A R R E N T, or Alamo is one eight hundred Go Alamo A L A M O. What's this gentleman's name? Chuck. Chuck, I apologize. Chuck, I'm going to give you my opinion. If you're going to keep the car and you're going to, as far as taking Magical Express, it's really easy to drop a car off at the car rental agency and get a ride back to the airport. Mm. If you're limited to just the ones that are renting at the Swan Dolphin, you're not going to be able to price shop. You're going to be able to get car rentals in Orlando are very competitive. And if you have the option of going to any of the car rental agencies in the area, you're going to be able to find the best bargain. So keep that in mind. And keeping the car and taking the car back to the airport, it's not hard to find the airport from where you'll be staying. And once you drop the car off, most of them have a shuttle. Teresa just got the cheapest car rental I have ever heard of in my life. When she had to go back to Georgia, she rented a car. What did you pay? I paid $45 for three days total. Can you imagine that? Two, of the, day, two a day? of the days were nine dollars, and one was like twenty. Was it easy to pedal? And it, it was. was. <laughs> what, what was what company was it? Enterprise. 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 So I, I questioned them several times, thinking this is wrong, and they said no, it's just a special deal. They Car had. rentals in Orlando are really, really competitive. You can do some price shopping. And they pick you up and drop you off. Yep. yep. But if you're going to limit yourself to just the ones at the hotel, you're going to pay whatever they're charging. So. I, and you can shop around the other way. And we need your contact information, Chuck. Yeah, I think we have a, a, an email. Do you? Okay. Yeah, I'll forward it to you. 
So, well, again, thank you very much for calling in, Chuck. Thanks, everybody, for your emails and voicemails. And once again, you can reach us at podcast at wdwinfo.com if you have a question, comment, or suggestion for us. Or you can give us a call toll-free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico, 877-310-9662. In the United Kingdom, 0808-120-2316. Or in Australia, 1-800-774-531. And if we read your email or play your voicemail on the show, you'll get your choice of a disunplugged pin and lanyard or one of our fabulous T-shirts. And you may get a shot at the prize Matron at the end of the month. So... Go ahead and send in your emails, send in your voicemails. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, we'll wrap up our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week.